Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Ah, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Listen, if you're still living with bladder accidents, stop. It's time to get your life back. I was just like you until I found real relief with Axonics Therapy. It's not a pill or a pad. It's a clinically proven advanced treatment. Get started at findrealrelief.com. That's findrealrelief.com. Consult a bladder specialist to find out if Axonics is right for you. Results and experiences may vary. For more information about safety and potential risks, go to findrealrelief.com. Welcome to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now, for your host, Dan Mater. And welcome to the show, MD Nation. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, and I am bringing you the five best, five bust, and five sleepers for the wide receiver position in today's episode. Of course, we got the latest news segment to kick off the show, and we have a mailbag segment at the very end of the show as well. It is full swing preseason. Week two starts tonight. Make sure you guys are tuning in because the biggest thing that you won't be paying attention to is who gets hurt. And on that note, if you can't watch the games but want to keep updated with possible injuries throughout the night and on Friday and on Saturday, you should follow me on Twitter at MDSFFshow for all those player news update notifications. You also should be following me on Facebook at MDFFshow or go to the website for www.mdffshow.com in order to get all of your questions in, in order to check out the newest projections and rankings and tier rankings to get ready for your draft. I even have a download button at the bottom left corner of any of the projections or rankings or tier rankings that you go to check out on the website so that way you can put it onto your device to take with you to your drafts so that way you can be prepared and on your way to establishing a fundamental core that will help you win a championship because that's what the draft is about. You don't win the championship at the draft, but you do establish what your fundamental core is going to be throughout the entire season to help you on your way to try 
trying to win a championship. It is the first step, the first big step in a long season of moves that you're going to be able to make. And you can listen to this show all season long to be able to help you make those moves and ask those questions to get onto the mailbag segment, but also just to get answered by me. Because even if I don't have you on the show, I will be sure to answer any fantasy football question that you may or may not have by tweeting at me, by hitting up on Facebook, or by emailing me through the website. I am accessible to you 24-7, so use me as a tool to help your teams this year. That is what the MD's Fantasy Football Show is all about. No big announcements for the show this week. We're still carrying on. We will have an episode on Monday, and after that, we're only going to have three more episodes, and then it will be the start of week one. We will be able to have our first week one preview in just three episodes away. Can you believe it? It is almost finally here, the moment we have all been waiting for. So let's get into the episode today because we have a lot to cover as always. So let's drop that latest news segment and get it going. Latest news. We really have had a couple of interesting notes and news that has come out since Monday, the last time we did this podcast for today's week. It's been kind of intriguing in a lot of senses of really being able to make you think and have to possibly change some rankings a lot sooner than I expected on some of these things. Starting off with our first news of the day that we are going to talk about, which is Andrew Luck. Look, I have stayed firm on the idea that Andrew Luck, I was not going to change him until we got to week three of the preseason if he was still not practicing at that point. Now, of course, on Monday, on Monday morning, I should be more specific because later that Monday, everything changed. But on Monday morning, when the episode dropped to you guys, I was still operating under the idea that we were still being told it was a calf strain. Now, did I suspect that it was probably more than just that, being that it had been four months? Yes, absolutely. But at the same time, being that that was what we were working off of, being that there had been really no concerns to that point within the organization that Andrew Luck could be possibly missing week one, I decided that's what I would stick to. Week three, we didn't see him, then we'll figure something out. Well, may wind up having to change the projections and rankings a little bit before we even get to that point because all the news that has come out since then, since Monday afternoon, since yesterday on Tuesday, because I'm recording this to you Wednesday night for you guys to have on Thursday, it has been nothing but bad news. First, Jim Ursay comes out and says it's a small bone issue and it's not just a calf strain. And then later it's reported that it's a high ankle sprain. But then later on, today being, uh, it was reported that it was not diagnosed as a high ankle sprain. Look, at the end of the day, this seems to be what the facts are. Fact is, Andrew Luck is having trouble with lateral movement from side to side. That seems to be the issue. He is having trouble planting and throwing and being able to move around within the pocket. And the pain is coming from somewhere below his calf, but higher up than his ankle. Uh, that seems to be the range in which they have pretty much pinned it down to being. And as far as what the actual injury is, well, I don't really know because the Colts really don't actually seem to know. Or or that they're just playing all of us, which could be possible as well. It wouldn't be the first time that they flat out lied about what's going on with Andrew Luck and his health. But I do think it's a genuine, not everyone in the organization is really fully aware exactly what the injury is. Maybe Andrew Luck's not even fully aware exactly what's wrong with him. I don't know. But what I will say is that Earlier on Wednesday, when the team organization came out and pretty much said, hey, we need to have a timeline on Andrew Luck by next week to know if he's going to be playing week one or not, because if he's not, 
understandably so, they want to get Jacoby Brissett ready to go, which under, makes a lot of sense. But it also is very intriguing that the organization, the coaching staff more specifically, is the ones saying, hey, we need some kind of timeline on him. We need to know exactly what's going on. So it just shows me that at least some, if not all, of this organization is in the dark outside of Andrew Luck and the medical staff as to what exactly the injury is with him and exactly what kind of timetable we're looking at. So, of course, as we get updated, I'll post it out on Twitter. Is why you should be following me at MDSFFshow. But, of course, I'll be talking about it on the show as well. Now, for now, for the rankings and projections, I'm not going to move him. He's still going to be my top five quarterback. We still don't know enough yet for me to start tweaking just yet. Starting next week, if he's not in or we get some kind of update, then you will see a change in the ranks. Then you will see an updated version. As of now, it's the most updated version that it will be probably until next week, till after these preseason games conclude in case there are any injuries. Just so you guys at MD Nation are aware. Next bit of news we got, we have to talk about. I'm pretty much sick of talking about this at this point, but we have to talk about it. Antonio Brown. Reports back to the team. He is not going to retire. Like I said in the last episode, if you thought he was going to leave $30 million on the table because of a helmet issue, then you're about as crazy as Antonio Brown was. So I was never worried about this actually being an issue in any kind of way. Uh, the only thing we're really looking now is to when can we have Antonio Brown back? He did come back to the team today. It looks like from what I'm hearing, as soon as his feet are done peeling and getting that old dead skin off from the frostbite and you know the new fresh skin is able to come in and take hold he should be good to go and being able to play without relative pain now the last update i had as far as what his practice capability was going to be before he was able to go full practice before the game was that it could wind up not being until that final week of preseason right before week one either way Antonio Brown, I think it is safe to say at this point, you can count on him being there for week one. So some of you who are moving him down, I don't think you have to do that any longer. He should keep him about in the beginning of the third round, which is where he's been. I do think that is a very good value for a top-notch wide receiver who should get peppered with targets, even if he doesn't have quite the stat line he had with the Steelers. It doesn't mean he wouldn't be in wide receiver one. Uh, Remember, I have him there in the top end of the third round. He is a wide receiver one for me. He is in the top 10. A little update here on the Chargers, because we didn't talk about Melvin Gordon in the last episode, because there's not a lot to talk about. There has been a lot of updates, and the only update I've really gotten since then is that the Chargers have been in contact with Melvin Gordon's negotiation associates and agents and, and whatnot. Uh that's that was it. That was the update pretty much. So still nothing as far as have they gotten closer negotiations? Where is he at as far as coming back to the team? Just that they've been in contact, which I guess is better than not being in contact at all, but really doesn't give us much of a status update on the situation for the time being. Now, this piece of news that was a little bit new and a little bit irritating. Kenyon Drake it was in a walking boot today at practice yesterday, or I should say on Tuesday, At practice, he came down with a lower leg injury and hobbled off the field under his own power. He was not carted off and then showed up on Wednesday in a walking boot. We still haven't gotten specifics as far as what the actual injury is, which has been kind of annoying to this point because a walking boot can mean a, a million different things. It could be that they just don't want to put pressure on the foot, even though it's not a major injury, or it could be something significant. 
We don't know until they actually give us some details, and that has not happened as of now. What we do know as of now is that, of course, Kalen Balazs will be getting all the first-team reps until Kenyon Drake is able to get back. And what I can say is that the Dolphins head coach, Brian Flores, does seem to be optimistic that Kenyon Drake will be available for Week 1. Starting next week, uh, next Monday is when I'm going to be doing the next updated version and rankings and projections, a little bit of tweaking here and there. I'm always constantly tweaking, but that's when they will be published on Monday. And I would say I'm probably going to tick Kenyon Drake down a little bit. Not a lot, a little bit, just in case it winds up being something where he does wind up missing week one, or if it's something that I'm worried could linger on during the season. But up until this point, while it had been a heated battle between him and Caleb Blodge, Kenyon Drake did get the first team reps in the last preseason game. And for all intents and purposes, has been the number one running back for the most part. Now, we all knew there was going to be some kind of timeshare anyway, but Kenyon Drake had been the starter pretty much to this point. So as long as this injury does not take too long for him to heal, as long as he's able to come back and play week one, I am still much higher on Kenyon Drake than most. But check it out on Monday. For now, if you're drafting this weekend, you're saying, hey, I'm drafting this weekend, I'm updating it now, I would say to you that the rankings as of now still are a very good reflection as to what a reasonable expectation would be for Kenyon Drake this season. So go ahead and use them and feel confident that right now I have him in about a six-round area. I have him as an RB2 with upside. I don't think this injury, being that it's not significant, will hinder that expectation for Kenyon Drake. Remember, he catches the ball, he's an explosive playmaker, and at the end of the day, to the eye test, I'm sorry, Kalen Blodge is not that great of a running back. If he has a hole, yes, he will explode through it. He will be fast, he will make a big play if he has a hole, but he is not a guy who has great cutback vision or can create something out of nothing. Kenyon Drake can. They're going to trust Kenyon Drake in bigger situations as well, I think, over Kalen Blodge. Plus, they're less predictable because Kenyon Drake can actually catch the ball. Kalen Blodge cannot. That's going to wrap up the latest news segment. We're going to take a quick break right here. Come back and start off with the five best wide receivers for the 2019 season. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is now partnered with the Unwrapped Sports Network. Unwrapped Sports Network has a top-notch sports blog covering all sports all the time with a team of talented writers. You can also visit their podcast page to listen to this show and several others covering multiple sports. Sign up for their newsletter and never miss a thing at UnwrappedSports.com. Again, that's UnwrappedSports.com. Now, as we go through the wide receiver position in today's show, it will definitely be a position that you will see the most drastic difference as far as scoring goes. Uh, And to be expected from a standard to a half point to a full point PPR, really the PPR settings or non-PPR settings affect the wide receiver position when it comes to fantasy football more so than any other position as far as to how valuable it could possibly be. But these top five that we're going to talk about are pretty valuable, no matter the scoring format that you are in. Starting off with number five, Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham is my number five. I have down here on my notes, honorable mention, Michael Thomas, because the difference between Odell Beckham and Michael Thomas in pretty much every scoring format, whether it be standard, half point, or full point PPR, is less than a point. I have less than a point difference between the two. So this is purely a preference pick. I'm going to stay with Odell Beckham as number five over Michael Thomas 
simply because I just think Odell Beckham has a little more upside. We know Michael Thomas is going to be dependable week in and week out. We know he's a stud. We know he's going to get his work with Drew Brees. We know nobody else is out there besides Alvin Kamara to really take any targets of significance away from Michael Thomas. So in that sense, Michael Thomas is probably the safer type of wide receiver if you want to go that route. However, for people like me who like to take some risk, who like to try to go for the upside because I want to go for the jugular, I want to go for the throat, I want to be the killer instinct, I want to be the champion, I went with Odell Beckham as my number five because the only thing to me that holds back Odell Beckham is his history of injury. If he stays healthy for a full 16-game season and in this offense with the opportunity that it provides to be aggressive and how many points that they should score all season long, I do, th- and his big play capability is also part of this as well. I do think he just has a tad more upside. There is a scenario in which I could see Odell Beckham being the wide receiver one overall, given his potential within the system that he is in, in the surrounding talent that he has. Michael Thomas, he will, I could definitely see a scenario, obviously, where he's in the top five, but I don't see one where he is the wide receiver one because I simply just do not see the same type of explosive upside. But he's going to be consistently an elite guy. So I just wanted to kind of get into a little bit as to why I had Odell Beckham number five and Michael Thomas sitting just outside of it. Like I said, it's, it's less than two points that I have between these two guys. It's purely a preference pick. Mine is just Odell Beckham, given what the Browns' offense may look like this season. We know what to expect out of the Saints this year. We know what the predictable Michael Thomas should look like, which is going to be very good. But I kind of lean towards the unknown, kind of lean towards that high ceiling of possibility with Odell Beckham in in this year. Number four, we have Julio Jones. He's another guy who's pretty much as consistent as they come. While he seems to always be banged up in the sense that he has a nagging foot, ankle issue, whatever the case may be, it's actually been quite a while since Julio Jones has missed any games. In fact, it's been three years. And that stunned me because one of the things that's always kept me away from Julio Jones over the years, well, really two things, was one, the fact that for a big, tall, elite receiver like himself, he doesn't seem to score nearly as many touchdowns as he should. But number two was that I always felt like he was banged up and he's bound to miss a few games until I really went back and looked and said, you know what? While he is seemingly nicked up a lot of the time, he actually doesn't miss too many games. He's actually been about as dependable as a DeAndre Hopkins has been, a Michael Thomas has been, and Antonio Brown has been as far as being out on the field every single week. So that's actually not really an issue. And this is a guy who routinely gets 14 to 1500 yards. That's uncanny. Now, if he would be in a situation where he could actually put the touchdowns with those expected yards, with those expected receptions, there's a very good, very, very, very good chance Julio Jones could find himself as the wide receiver one. And I do think he has potential for that this year because I do think he finds himself in that situation. Look, Steve Sarkeesian, who I told you guys all this time last year was going to probably be fired because he was not going to do a good job with the talent that he has because he's not a good offensive coordinator, is gone. And he's a big reason why Julio wasn't utilizing the red zone like he should have been. Julio, the last time Dirk Cutter was the offensive coordinator, had nine touchdowns. You put nine touchdowns with a 14-1500 yard season, he's going to be damn close to that wide receiver one spot. 
and you can get him right now. I have him ranked at the wide receiver four. That's about where you can get him. So you can get him in the back end of that first round. A lot of times you can get him around the turn in the second round as well, where you can wind up with a Hopkins and a Julio, or a top running back such as a Le'Veon Bell and a Julio. But a lot of times he's there. If you have that early second round pick, he there's a good chance he's going to be there for you in 10 to 12 team leagues. And I think with Dirk Cutter, with this system, with Calvin Ridley emerging, still having Sanu, still having Devontae Freeman, still having Austin Hooper, still having one of the best offenses in all of football, I do think he has a chance to repeat that nine-touchdown performance that he had the last time Dirk Cutter was running the show for the offense. So in that sense, really sky's the limit for Julio Jones, which is why I have him at number four. Number three is Tyreek Hill. For obvious reasons, look, Tyreek Hill finished as the number one wide receiver a season ago for fantasy football purposes. Now, it was one of the most inconsistent wide receiver ones in recent memory from a week-to-week basis. However, you were definitely not complaining if you had Tyreek Hill on your team and most likely were in the playoffs competing for a championship if you did as well. That's why he was the wide receiver one. Do I want to draft him necessarily as high as some of these others? Well, I I kind of challenged myself on that because at first I did not want to take him over Julio Jones, did not want to take him over Michael Thomas. But when you really break down the numbers, even with the expected regression from the Kansas City Chiefs offense in general, you just can't pass up on what this guy can do for you on a week-to-week basis because any given week, Tyreek Hill can win you the entire week basically by himself. He's Whatever you think of him off the field does not matter when you're talking about fantasy football. And this is a guy who I do feel like is going to have a little bit to prove on the field, a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, given all the distractions in the offseason. Patrick Mahomes is going into year three, second year as a starter. He's going to hit Tyreek Hill often, a lot. This is going to be a high-scoring offense. Tyreek Hill probably has one of the safest floors of these wide receivers, given the offense around him, given his role and his ability from a speed demon. So I have him at wide receiver three. Now, before we get to number two and number one, I do want to say with this list in general, while the running backs were very close, like I said, there was a preference pick there between the top four. I mean, you can make a case for any of them to be number one. I really think with the wide receivers, you can make a case for any of the top six wide receivers to be the wide receiver one this year for fantasy football. It's really that close between all the top six guys. So when I'm putting together this list and I'm putting Tyreek Hill number three over Julio Jones, keep it in mind, it's close. It's really close. I just have Tyreek Hill nudging him out just a bit because his big cape big play capability, and also the fact that you have an opportunity to get a couple of special teams touchdowns tacked on to his wide receiving touchdown totals as well. Something else to kind of keep in mind. Uh, Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. Nothing feels as good as making others feel good. Those so-called feel-good holiday films? They can't hold a gingerbread-scented candle to the feeling of giving them something 
that gives them all the feels. Make this December one to remember. Together. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. So moving on to number two. Number two is DeAndre Hopkins for me. Yes, I do not have him number one. I have him number two. And we'll get to that in just a second as to why. Look, with DeAndre Hopkins, there's really not a lot to go over here. He's as dependable as they come. He's as durable as they come. Although I do have a little question as to how durable he will be this year. I know that he doesn't really have a precedent for missing games. This is true. But he was banged up quite a bit. He had several nagging injuries last season. He started off this offseason, this mini camp, this training camp with some of those same nagging injuries like the foot issue. It does concern me a little bit that it seems like some of them have carried on. And I do kind of wonder if DeAndre Hopkins might be set up to have a year where he does wind up missing a couple of games. Now look, I've already stated to you, that hasn't happened in the past, and it's not something I projected either. I did project DeAndre Hopkins to play all 16 games, but I'm a little concerned. I'm a little concerned set up because of what happened last year, because he started off this season already kind of banged up a little bit, still kind of getting over all of those ailments. I'm just a little concerned he may not be able to stay as durable as he was a season ago. Now, one thing that would go a long way in helping him do so would be if he could actually keep guys like Will Fuller and Kikikute on the field with him to take some attention off of him. However, I mean, Will Fuller's been fine at this point, but we saw first week of the preseason, Kute went down and grabbed his hamstring. And he hasn't been to practice since. Now, it's not considered to be serious. He is supposed to play for week one. But it just goes to show you how not dependable the other receivers around DeAndre Hopkins are, which does help his fantasy value as long as he's able to stay on the field. My number one wide receiver, if you couldn't figure it out by now, is Devontae Adams. I love this guy. He's had double-digit touchdowns for the past few years in a row, and that was before he blew up in the receptions and the yards last season on an offense that was probably one of the worst Green Bay Packer offenses in some time with one of the worst performances from Aaron Rodgers. Now, it was still a Good performance as far as starting quarterback is a great performance, really, as far as starting quarterback goes, but not a great one when you consider Aaron Rodgers' standards. And while I, and I've said this before, while I am not a big fan of Matt LaFleur, I do think it would be very hard for that offense to be any worse than it was a season ago. And on top of that, while I like to see Marquez Valdez Scanling take a leap from year one to year two, while I would like to see Geronimo Allison stay healthy throughout the season and are competent, decent wide receivers, there's no question who the number one guy is. There's no question who Aaron Rodgers is going to want to go to with the football when he has the ability to do so. We saw Jordy Nelson for years, for years, with good receivers on the other side of him, with a Randall Cobb that was in his prime, just get fed and was one of the most consistent wide receiver ones that you were going to find on a year-in, year-out basis. Devontae Adams still has way more potential than that because he's still head and shoulders the best guy on that team for Rodgers to throw the ball to. That's why I have Devontae Adams, no matter what the scoring situation is, no matter what your format is, no matter if you're a 10 or 12 team league, I have him as my number one wide receiver this season. With that, we're going to take a quick break, come back on the other side, we're going to get into the five busts at the wide receiver position. 
Tired of spending hours upon hours on research for your drafts but still want the excitement of having something on the line while watching the game? Well, join the Thrive Fantasy app where they have streamlined the process for you to make it easy and fun to play along. Use promo code MDFF when you sign up with a $10 deposit and receive an additional $10 for free. Again, that's promo code MDFF. Now it's time for my favorite segment of the show. While everyone else's favorite segment, I believe, is the sleeper segment, which will be the next one, I have a great affinity for the bust segment because it seems to get the most response, the most controversial arguments delicious on Twitter and on Facebook and even direct email to me. I've had quite a few of those as well when it comes to Hatred for my bust list. I love it. I do get some love as well. But usually when you do lists like this, especially when you talk about bust, you wind up hearing from the people you offended rather than the people who appreciated the insight in the first place. But I do get a fair share of both. I don't want to say that I don't. But this is one of my favorite things to do because, it's like I said before, it's all about the argument. I don't care what your opinion is. I hope you listen to me because you trust my insights, you trust my show, and you know that I'm going to give you a good logical explanation as to why I feel one way or another and have the facts to back it up. That's what it's all about. And all I expect from you guys is to have the same type of respect for me in return. Have your argument. Have the facts to back it up if you disagree with my opinion. Don't just say because you're a fan of a team and that I offended you because I'm not on board with your player that you have a problem with me. I don't want to hear that. I don't care. And quite frankly, we'll ignore pretty much any other message you try to send me after that if that really winds up being your stance and your argument. But give me a good argument. Tell me why I'm wrong. And even if I don't wind up agreeing, and most of the time I won't because I've already thought about almost every single angle you possibly could when ranking these players because I try to do my best to give you the best information right off the bat as well as I can to make sure you can win your championships without me hindering you and being a tool for you, then do that. We can agree to disagree, but I will respect you for it, and I'll even give you a shout-out for it on the show. I don't care. I don't care if you disagree. If you have a good argument, a good argument deserves the spotlight because that is what it's all about at the end of the day to make people think. And that's what I've been trying to do, especially with these five best, five busts, and five sleeper segments. But now we have the five bus wide receivers. And with the five bus wide receivers, I got some good ones for you. Starting off at number five, T.Y. Hilton. Now, this isn't a huge bust to me, but his ADP is 12. And this kind of goes hand-in-hand a little bit with the Andrew Luck news, but because I haven't budged yet as far as my projections and rankings on Andrew Luck, it only has a a little bit to do with the possibility that that may happen in the near future. His ADP being 12 is just a bit too high for me. You're suggesting that he's either a very high-end wide receiver 2 or that he is a back-end wide receiver 1 in a 12-team league. Well, I don't have him there. I have him 18th in standard a mid-level wide receiver two. I have him 15th and half point, a little bit higher and higher end of the wide receiver two position. And then I have him 18th again in full point PPR scoring. He's a mid-level wide receiver two to me. Look, 
let's look past this. First of all, as far as projection goes, he's a little bit higher because at the end of the year, as long as he has Andrew Luck for all 16 games, he's going to have those numbers amongst the guys who are the high-end wide receiver twos, maybe even the low-end wide receiver ones with in terms of yards. But he's not going to have in the wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two territory totals as far as touchdowns go. And we know he's going to be inconsistent. We know this is a guy who's going to get probably 75% of his season total points in about eight games or even less. Sometimes last year was six. So we know he's going to score in a bunch. And when he does, it's going to be great. You're probably going to win, which is awesome. But knowing when that's going to be and the fact that it's not always even half the time is where I have great pause when it comes to drafting T.Y. Hilton as high as he is going. At ADP 12 for the wide receiver position, he's normally going in the back end of the second round, early third round. Same area as Antonio Brown, same area as Mike Evans, ahead of Adam Thielen, ahead of Stephon Diggs. I don't have him that high. I have him behind all of those guys for all the reasons that I just listed. Look, when it comes to fantasy football, when it comes to redraft leagues and 10 and 12 team leagues, I'm very big on finding guys that have consistency. Now, I want all the top scorers, of course, which is why T.Y. Hilton isn't ranked, you know, sixth or seventh round in, in my rankings or projections or anything ridiculous like that. But what I am looking for are the guys who can give me the high-end statistics for the year, as well as being guys who I know are going to give it to me on a week-in, week-out basis and be consistent. T.Y. Hilton's just not one of those guys. He's not. And he's not on the Tyreek Hill level where he could wind up leading all of wide receivers by the end of the year in fantasy points, even if he wasn't necessarily consistent every single week. He's not on that level. So this really knocks him down in my book. To me, he really is a higher-end Deshaun Jackson. You know when you're going to get Deshaun Jackson. You know when he goes off you're going to win. You know it's only going to be once, probably every three to four games. T.Y. Hilton is probably solidly once every three games is when he's going to go off for you. So he makes him a little higher end Deshaun Jackson, which is why, though, I don't draft him where he's going. So something just to keep aware of. Number four, I have Corey Davis. Corey Davis is my number four bust this season. His ADP is 36. I have him ranked 50th in standard. I have him ranked 47th in half-point PPR, and I have him ranked 41st in full-point PPR. So I am substantially lower than than the ADP is than well yeah than the ADP is duh uh, now when I say the ADP now nah, that's what kind of tripped me up a little bit when I say the ADP I want to make sure I explain that this is the consensus ADP across all the platforms so I'm taking ESPN into consideration Yahoo into consideration CBS Sports into consideration uh, Fantasy Pros into consideration so pretty much all the top platforms and I just wanted to mention that I did mention that on Monday show but in case you're a first time listener I want you to know what ADP I'm basing this off of because obviously this is an independent podcast I'm not tied to any one platform So that's what the consensus ADP is of 36. I don't see it. I don't see it. Corey Davis always gets his love because people really feel like he is uberly talented and should be a wide receiver one at some point. Now, full disclaimer, I don't really agree with that. I had a big problem when Corey Davis was drafted drafted in the top 10 by the Tennessee Titans in the first place because I didn't think he was a top 10 talent wide receiver coming out. But besides all that, because none of that really matters when you're talking about fantasy football, especially for this season, this is going to be a run-first team. We know that. 
Derrick Henry, Deion Lewis. They're the ones who lead the charge in this game. They have Marcus Mariota, who I feel like would be safe to say at this point needs to be considered a bust. I know a lot of people are looking at this season as a possible make or break year. And who knows? Maybe it will be. Maybe it will be on his very last year of his deal. He will suddenly finally put together all the hype that he had coming out of college. But my answer to that is that it will most likely be no. And this isn't going to be a much different offense than they've been running either. So I don't think Marcus Mariota is going to be that great. On top of being a run first offense. And on top of that, last year, at least he had the benefit of being the only true wide receiver to be targeted no matter who the quarterback was. That's no longer the case. They brought in Adam Humphreys and paid him a pretty penny to come in. They drafted A.J. Brown, who was regarded as one of the best wide receivers coming out in this draft and is expected to be one of the starters. Delaney Walker is coming back. So there's guys to steal targets, the already few targets that are available for the Tennessee Titans to begin with this season. So I don't see between even more lackluster opportunity and the fact that I don't see how America's Mariota makes this sudden jump to make him fantasy relevant. So for him to go 36, now look, it's, it's not crazy high. I'm not saying that it is. No one's telling you to draft Corey Davis as a fundamental piece to your team. But when you have him at ADP 36, you are saying you do expect him to be about a wide receiver full four with some flyer flex upside. And to that I say, no, I don't think he has that. I think at best he's a wide receiver five that you can take and put on the back of your bench and hope that he turns into something or more than likely will be one of the first players that you probably drop for that valuable waiver pickup any given particular week. That is what he is. Number three, I have Christian Kirk. I was ah, I couldn't wait for this one. This kind of goes hand in hand with my five best, five busts, five sleepers quarterbacks when I did Kyler Murray was actually my number three bust candidate for the quarterback position. Kind of goes hand in hand a little bit with people really overestimating exactly what that offense is going to be able to do for that team from a fantasy perspective. I think everyone is getting two things mixed up. The difference between being better than the pathetic, productive team that you were a year ago and actually being good. Two very, very different things that I think people are trying to or starting to get confused. It definitely seems to be going in that direction. Look, Christian Kirk, he's going into his second season. He had some flashes last year. But the thing is, and this is why I have Christian Kirk as one of my busts this year and number three at that. And I'll get into what I have his rankings and what his ADP is in a moment. He is a slot receiver. Coming out of college, I didn't think Christian Kirk was a bad receiver. I thought he could be a competent NFL wide receiver. But the thing my caveat was with him is that he was going to have to go somewhere where he could be the slot receiver because that is what he is good at that is what he could possibly excel at at some point in his career he's not an outside guy he's not a guy who's going to be able to get off the line of scrimmage on a consistent basis against some of these top end corners and with where Larry Fitzgerald is at this point in his career he really needs to play the slot and of course as long as he's playing you're going to put Larry Fitzgerald in the best place to succeed over Christian Kirk But that means Christian Kirk's not going to be in the best position. I look at Christian Kirk a lot like I look at Sterling Shepard. 
Two guys who I think really need to make a living playing the slot position in order for them to be good NFL wide receivers. If they get forced to play the outside too consistently, they're not as good. And it shows in their numbers. And that is what I'm expecting out of Christian Kirk this season. I don't think he's going to be that great on the outside. He's not this... I don't. Somewhere along the line, he got made out to be this burner, down-the-field threat type. And he, he's not that guy. That's not the type of receiver he is. This is the guy who came out running a, a low four, a late 4-4, more like the 4-5, coming out of college. So it's not, he's not a burner. That's not what he does. He could be a good slot receiver. He has a decent route tree. He has decent hands. But he, he's not a guy who's going to take the top off on a consistent basis. And I'm not really sure when that became the case or when that seemed to have become the perception on him when you're talking about guys who talk up Christian Kirk quite a bit in fantasy football. So I don't see it. His ADP is 32. My rank for him is 48 in standard. I have him 42nd in half point PPR. And then again, I have him 48th in full point PPR. Look, I've stayed pretty consistent on this. The only two guys that I'm really touching in this Arizona Cardinal offense is David Johnson and Larry Fitzgerald again. While I expect them to have better seasons than they did a year ago, while I expect the offense to be better than it was a year ago, there's still a lot of red flags. Still a lot of red flags. I can mention the offensive line again. I can mention the fact that Kyler Murray is a rookie. I can mention the fact that outside of Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk, all the rest of the wide receivers are rookies. I can mention the fact that you have a rookie head coach. I can mention the fact that the air raid is not actually that new of a system. I've mentioned all that before, but I feel like I have to keep repeating myself to make sure that message gets across, especially when we're talking up the Arizona Cardinal players for fantasy purposes that aren't named David Johnson and Larry Fitzgerald. Because people just really seem like they want to get these guys as their sleepers, and I'm telling you, you're going to want to let someone else make that mistake throughout the season. My number two bust wide receiver on the year is Robbie Anderson. Yes, the Jets. Yes, it's another team that has been pretty much a favorite of mine to pick on throughout the offseason, along with the Arizona Cardinals. Now, the Jets have much dire hopes than the Cardinals. The Cardinals at least do possess some hope. I'll give them that. The Jets possess no hope. Not with Adam Gase as your, as your head coach. None whatsoever. Look, Robbie Anderson, he's getting all of this love right now in camp. And I love Robbie Anderson. I really do. I think he's one of the best down-the-field threats in the game. I think he is a guy who has not even reached anywhere close to what his top potential could be. I think he's more than just a one-trick pony if he was put in position to do so. And I know the reports coming out of training camp have been that he's been getting used all over the field. He's been getting moved around the MGA system. He's expected to be a featured role. Yeah, that's all great and dandy had I not heard it a thousand times before when it comes to Adam Gase and his wide receivers. Look, Robbie Anderson is going to be the Kenny Stills of this offense. What did Kenny Stills do? Oh, he didn't get moved around. He did stay on the outside. He was a one-trick pony, and he only went off once every five games. Look, Robbie Anderson really didn't have that great of a year last year. Yes, he had a nice little stretch towards the end of the season when Sam Darnold came back. And Sam Darnold played better towards that last half of the season. But Sam Darnold's not a deep, deep down the field throwing type of quarterback. He's an intermediate to check down type of guy. That's his game. That's always been his game coming out of college. And now that Adam Gase is his head coach, there's no reason to think that that's going to change. So the idea that Robbie Anderson somehow comes in and his ADP being 29, meaning you're looking at him as a 
high-end wide receiver three with flex opportunities, possibly an upside wide receiver two. That's what you're telling me with his ADP of 29 for the wide receiver position. And I'm telling you right now, I don't think there's going to be much of a difference between him and the kind of production that you saw out of Kenny Stills, which was a guy that you drafted towards like the 14th, 15th round, was a guy that you played if you had to, but wasn't a guy you depended on, and more times than not, by the end of the year, was almost 90% on the waiver wire. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Now, I don't think it'll quite get that bad with Robbie Anderson because I do think Robbie Anderson's a better wide receiver than Kenny Stills. Make no mistake about that. That's not what I'm saying. But with the role and the offense that he's going to be playing, I don't I don't see the upside. I don't see the ceiling. My rank for him is 42 in standard. 42 in half point and 42 in full point PPR. That's right. 42 across the board with his ADP being 29. I don't project it that high. I told you guys before, I'm going to keep telling you again, Jameson Crowder is the only wide receiver, if he stays healthy playing the slot, is the only wide receiver who I think has a chance to have some dependability on a week-in, week-out basis as long as it's a PPR league. Robbie Anderson does not. Best ball? DFS? Take a shot on once in a while? Probably not even DFS because he's probably going to be too expensive, but in those types of settings, yeah, Anderson might present some upside. In redraft leagues... You're never, you're never going to know when to play Robbie Anderson. And he's going to burn you enough that you're never going to want to play him anyway. So when he does have those big games, he's probably going to be on your bench. That's why he's my number two bust. My number one bust is DJ Moore. I am so sick and tired of hearing about the Carolina offense and their young, quick wide receivers and DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. I left Curtis Samuel off this list because his ADP was was low enough that it was insignificant to me to even bother to have him on this list, but he would have been on here too had his ADP been higher. DJ, look, it's not that I don't like DJ Moore or Curtis Samuel, but we're talking about DJ Moore here. It's not like I don't like those guys. I, I, I like their capabilities. I like their explosiveness. But here's the thing. They cut into each other. They're the same type of wide receiver. They have DJ Moore play the outside so they can have Curtis Samuel play the slot more times than not, but they're the same type of wide receiver. They're smaller guys who are explosive. The idea is that you can get speed mismatches and move them around and have a weapon that can take the top off the defense. That's the idea. There's several problems with this. One, like I said, they cut into each other. I think they both 
are better served being complement pieces to a true wide receiver one, whether they play in the slot, whether they play on the other side, on the outside. I don't think either one of them are wide receiver ones. Neither one of these guys are Steve Smith. That that's, that's probably the point I'm more trying to make. Neither one of these guys are Steve Smith. They all seem to want to make up Steve Smith because they're smaller, faster guys and they're playing for Carolina, I guess. Neither one of them are Steve Smith. Neither one of them are built like him. Steve Smith was small, but he was compact. He could break tackles. He was hard. He could beat you up physically, even though he was a smaller stature guy because of the way he was built. Both of these guys are not built that way. Both of these guys are built kind of like a Marquise Goodwin type where they're just they're, they're little and lanky. They're not built to beat you up off the line. They're not built to get physical with you in any kind of way. My biggest issue, though, with the wide receivers is not so much that the Carolina offense I don't find to be that creative, not the fact that they are going to cut into each other because only one of these wide receivers can actually be playing in the position that is best suited to their skill set. The biggest reason why I have an issue with this and why I'm not a DJ Moore fan is because of Cam Newton. Now, while everyone else seems to think that Cam Newton is going to come back from his soldier surgery and be just fine and be back to being Cam Newton, not buying it. Not buying it. First of all, it's been two years. It wasn't like it was just happened last season where he was hurt and all of a sudden we saw his velocity drop. We've seen his velocity drop consistently for the past two years. Last year, it was almost downright pathetic, which is one of the biggest reasons why Christian McCaffrey had so many receptions because and why he was checked down to so often. Cam couldn't throw the ball anymore. I mean, he wasn't quite as bad as Eli, but it was it was pretty close. It was pretty close as far as velocity goes and getting the ball down the field and any kind of consistency, any kind of accuracy. It was close. I don't think it's going to be different this year, guys. I know he had the cleanup surgery, but it's a shoulder and neck injury that is not easy to recover from as a quarterback. And I've watched his throwing motion. I think I've mentioned this in a couple episodes thus far, but I've watched his throwing motion. I've watched him out of training camp. He reminds me so much of Peyton Manning in his last year. He's catapulting the ball out there. Catapulting it. He's getting it up there so he can have a quick release. But here's the difference, though. Peyton could still anticipate. Peyton was still a really good quarterback who read defense and anticipate. Cam still can't read defenses. Cam still can't anticipate his wide receivers. And with these guys with this speed, if he's going to actually get the ball down the field, he's going to have to do it with anticipation because he can't do it with his arm strength anymore. It's not going to suddenly come back to him this season after the shoulder surgery. It's not. Cam's going to be a check down quarterback. So that takes away a lot of what DJ Moore does best, which is get down the field, be an explosive playmaker. If he's going to be asked to play 12 yards in on a consistent basis because of Cam, he ain't going to be that effective. Which is why I have him ranked so much lower than what his ADP is going right now. There's so Plus, besides all of that, even if you like DJ Moore, even if you think Cam Newton's going to be fine, even if you think I'm crazy, that's fine. But look at the wide receivers going around in his range. You have guys like the Dante Pettis of the world who, who present upside. The Will Fullers of the world. The Alshon Jeffries of the world. The Allen Robinsons of the world. The Sammy Watkinses of the world. Those I would take any of those guys over DJ Moore. They all present higher floors and frankly higher upside. And more 
production that you can trust on a week-to-week basis. Look, best-case scenario, DJ Moore is able to play around his ADP of 2026. Best-case scenario. Oh, by the way, I have him ranked 37th in standard, 39th in half point, and 39th in full point PPR. Sorry, didn't realize I hadn't said that yet. So, best case scenario, he does find a way to somehow perform around his ADP 26. Like the T.Y. Hilton situation, it's probably going to be because 80% of his points came on six games. It's not going to be consistent. It won't be. And I just don't, I don't see the ceiling. I don't see a mid-level to high to a low end to high end wide receiver two wide receiver three I don't see it I don't see how he gets that production Carolina's never been that throw happy of a team to begin with but the whole Cam Newton aspect has to take in consideration here just just something to keep in mind DJ Moore does not run a full receiver tree to be a guy who's going to have to just make his living over the intermediate part of the field because his quarterback can't get him the ball down the field anymore. It's it's not going to happen. We're going to take a quick break. Come back on the other side. we got the five sleepers in the next segment. This is one that a lot of people get excited for and all looking for that extra value to be able to make themselves look like geniuses in their draft, and I am here to help you with that. So let's take a quick break and get right into it. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become a new member of Overtime Heroics. Overtime Heroics is a fantastic sports media platform for sports fans all around the world to come and participate in their extensive forums. And now with the merger of the Land Sports Network, the website will soon have great content available from extremely well-written articles to entertaining and informative podcasts from all sports for you to enjoy. All you have to do is register for free at OvertimeHeroics.com to participate. Again, that's OvertimeHeroics.com. So surprisingly enough, while putting together the five sleeper segment of this show, it was surprisingly easier than I thought it was going to be. Now, despite what you may think, because of the, we just came out of the bus segment where I pretty much bashed the, bashed the uh, ADP consensus rankings, for the most part, when it came to their wide receiver position, I found myself agreeing with the consensus ADP ranks more times than not. So I kind of thought it might be difficult to find guys that were genuinely going to be sleepers when comparing the consensus ADP to the MD's fantasy football show rankings. And then when I, of course, did my research and looked a little bit deeper, it wound up not being all that difficult. And I'm really happy with the list that I was able to come up with because I do feel very strongly about all five guys that we're about to talk about in this segment for sleepers. Starting off with Allen Robinson at number five. Allen Robinson, I think, is getting slept on way too much. Now, this kind of surprised me because when this was springtime or even early summertime, Allen Robinson was consistently going in about the fourth round in 10 and 12 team redraft leagues, which is about where I thought he should be valued. So it was a surprise to me to see that that hasn't been the case as of late. And in fact, he's been falling like a rock and he actually even fell past Alshon Jeffrey, which I didn't think would happen. And he's been going more towards the sixth round, sometimes even being passed up until the seventh round, which really surprised me here. His ADP consensus ranking right now is 31. I have him in 20th at standard, 22 in half point and 22 in full point. So I am pretty much telling you that in a 12-team league, I have him as a lower-end wide receiver 2 or a high-end wide receiver 3, depending on how you want to look at it. And even that, I feel like 
could be too low. Look, Allen Robinson is a truly talented wide receiver one. Now, yes, he's been banged up. He missed an entire year. His last year, Jacksonville came to the Chicago Bears. And yes, last year, he missed a couple games as well because of injury. But when he was in the game, he was utilized and featured as a wide receiver one. And he's a type of guy who can do it all. He can line up on the inside. You can move him outside. He's going to be effective in the red zone. He's going to be a guy you can also target uh, quite often because he does run a very good wide receiver tree and has very good hands. This will be the second season under Matt Nagy in that offense of court, uh, in that offense of scheme, and this is also going to be his second year with Mitchell Trubisky. Now, while I do not have a high regard for Mitchell Trubisky and his ability to play the quarterback position in the NFL, I do believe that he is a guy that within this offense can be competent because I do think he is very similar in skill set to Alex Smith when running this offense. And I also think he's a guy who's going to lock on to who his number one wide receiver is and get him the ball more times than not. So really, to me, the only question is, can Allen Robinson stay healthy for a full 16-game season? I have him projected for 14 games, so I don't even have him projected for a full 16-game season, but I still have him higher than the ADP, even with that in mind, even with that risk assessment implemented into the projections and the rankings that I have him at. I like Allen Robinson a lot. This is one of those situations where you look at the talent, you look at the good offense that he's in with a good offensive system, and realize that he definitely is in a situation that he has more potential than where he's going right now. I am okay. I am good. I feel confident. If Allen Robinson is my wide receiver too, no matter what the scoring format is, no matter the league size. I do feel good about that this season because I know when he is out there, he's going to get featured on the Chicago Bears and he is a very good wide receiver. So that is my number five sleeper. My number four sleeper is Cortland Sutton. Not getting nearly enough love, not getting nearly as much love as I thought he would because a lot of people had high expectations and were very excited about him when he was coming into the league as a rookie. And for all these wide receivers that we keep hearing about, and we talked to some about the, about some of them tonight, DJ Moore, Christian Kirk, these guys who are expected to take these leaps from wide, from wide receiver year one to wide receiver year two are all expected to perform much better because they're expected to make that jump in their development. But apparently Cortland Sutton isn't expected as much. And yes, Emmanuel Sanders does seem to be healing and rehabbing and progressing probably better than pretty much anyone could have ever hoped for coming off an Achilles injury at his age. The fact that he might actually be able to participate in the preseason game this week or next week, I think really does speak volumes for Emmanuel Sanders. I still have to see it before I believe it in an NFL game situation that at over the age of 30 coming off an Achilles injury in less than a year, that Emmanuel Sanders is going to be so explosive that he's going to reestablish himself as the number one wide receiver on the team. So that, that's the first aspect. So I still think, I think the wide receiver one on this team is going to be Cortland Sutton this season. On top of that, Cortland Sutton is playing the ex-wide receiver, which in the Shanahan system, which is what Rich Scangarello, the offensive coordinator of the Denver Broncos, is going to be running this season, he's playing. That wide receiver is always, historically, the most targeted pass catcher on the field, period. Always. 
Every time, that X wide receiver is the guy who's supposed to get featured in that offense, is the guy who's going to get peppered with targets, is the guy to go to. Now, the drawback, of course, if you are familiar, and most people are at this point, I think, with the Shanahan system, is that you also know that wide receivers tend to have a history of not really putting up a lot of touchdowns, which is kind of annoying, kind of weird. But the thing with Cortland Sutton is you're not going to take him for a lot of touchdowns. It's kind of baked into his ADP already. It's kind of baked into the area that you're going to have to draft him, whether you looked at my rankings or ADP. It's the fact that he is a big play wide receiver on top of a guy who has a lot of talent. Remember, this is a 6'3 guy, well over 200 pounds. He's a built guy. He's a big dude who's fast and explosive and can take tops of the defense off. He can. He can do it all. It's really good. I don't I just don't understand how all of these wide receivers who are going into year two are getting as much credit as they are, and yet he's not. In an offense that fits him well and should feature him, even if Emmanuel Sanders is healthy and playing well. Because he's still gonna be the backside wide receiver. Joe Flacco still has an arm. Joe Flacco still likes to throw the ball deep if he has the ability to do so. And all of these people are talking about, well, Joe Flacco doesn't throw the ball deep anymore. He's become a check down guy. Um, did you not watch the first half of last season? I love when they do these numbers all encompassing over these long stretches periods of time. But when you actually look at the times where it matters, when you actually look at the periods of time where it correlates to his current situation, which would be beginning of last season when he had John Brown, John Brown was lighting it up. And he's laying it up deep down the field. Joe Flacco was throwing the ball deep again because he was healthy and his back wasn't bothering him. That was happening. Now, cold off towards the second half of last season. That's why Lamar Miller took over. Uh, Lamar Jackson, excuse me, took over. But Joe Flacco is still throwing the deep ball as long as he's feeling good. And they have play action, which is usually where he gets the deep ball off at. Colton Sutton's going to be that guy. I like Colton Sutton a lot. His ADP is 38th. I have him ranked 30th in standard, 34th. 31st and half point, 30th in full point PPR. So I don't have him. It's not a it's not a huge range we're talking about here that I have him above the ADP, but enough to where I'm saying, hey, I think this guy is a wide receiver three with some flex potential upside, while you guys are saying he's just a flyer guy as a wide receiver four. And I do think it's a big difference at the end of the day when you're building your team. My wide receiver three sleeper is Deshaun Jackson. Going back to Philadelphia is the main deep threat. Coming back with a healthy Carson Wentz. Coming back on an offense where no secondary is going to be able to key on him. You're going to have Alshon Jeffrey. You're going to have Dallas Goddard. You're going to have Zach Ertz. Nelson Aguilar is still there, but, you know, whatever. I'm not really worried about him or care too much as far as his overall significance to the offense goes. But Deshaun Jackson, first of all, Deshaun Jackson him being there boosts everyone's value as far as pass catchers go on Eagles. It boosts especially Alshon Jeffrey. It helps out Alshon Jeffrey more than anybody else on this team. The fact that you have Deshaun Jackson on the other side to take away double coverage. But Carson Wentz hasn't had a deep threat wide receiver like Deshaun Jackson his entire career he's been in Philadelphia. He hasn't had that guy. And he is a guy who likes to throw the ball deep. He is a guy who likes to be aggressive. And it's no surprise to me that every report out of training camp and going back to minicamp has been the rapport between Deshaun Jackson and Carson Wentz has been stellar. Stellar. It's no surprise. It's no surprise. 
He fits that system to a T. He fits that quarterback to a T. And Deshaun Jackson is going to have weeks he's going to win it for you. And I don't think it's going to be as inconsistent or at least as unpredictable as it was a season ago, as it has been for his entire career, frankly. I think you're going to have a good feel of when to play Deshaun Jackson this season. I do think it's going to be more often than not. His ADP is 51. His ADP is free. It's free. I have him ranked 38th in standard, 40, 40th in half-point PPR, and 40th in full-point PPR. So I'm, till, I'm still telling you he's a wide receiver four. I'm still telling you he's a flyer at the end of the day, but he's a flyer I feel really good about. He's a flyer who has wide receiver two upside, given the offensive situation, given his ability and his quarterback. So that's why he is my number three sleeper. My number two sleeper is Dante Moncrief. And I struggled between Dante Moncrief and Deshaun Jackson, who I should make number two and number three. But at the end of the day, I decided Dante Moncrief is my number two sleeper because he's going to be the number two wide receiver on the Pittsburgh Steelers, which is always a fantasy-relevant wide receiver and usually, usually a wide receiver. And this wide receiver, too. And this is you. This is before Juju Smith-Schuster and Antonio Brown combination where you had two wide receiver ones on your hand. That second wide receiver, the Pittsburgh Steelers offense, is always fantasy relevant. And Dante Moncrief is somebody who I think has gotten a pretty raw deal so far in his career. Now, some of it has been because he hasn't been healthy. That was the case with the Colts. But when he had Andrew Luck as his quarterback, even in a season where he didn't play a full 16 games, he still had double-digit touchdowns. This guy is excellent in the red zone. Excellent. He's a better wide receiver than he gets credit for. Remember last year when everybody was trying to tell you that Keelan Cole was going to be the man and D.D. Westbrook was going to break out? I here on the MD's Fantasy Football Show was the only one telling you that Dante Moncrief was going to be the number one wide receiver of that Jacksonville team. Now, at the end of the day, I also made it clear that you probably wouldn't want to own a Jacksonville wide receiver if you could help it. And that's actually stayed true this year as well. BTW. But Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Moncrief is going to be the best one because he's the best receiver. He's a complete receiver. He can run a full receiver tree. He has good hands. And like I said, really, really emphatically, he's great in red zone. And I don't expect that to be any different for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And even though he's been banged up quite a bit here in training camp, 
he still has held on to his wide receiver two position, which has been a little bit surprising because he has missed quite a bit of training camp practices. And yet the guy who everyone has pegged to break out, who everyone has pegged to be the next best Pittsburgh Steeler wide receiver, including people within the Pittsburgh Steeler organization and James Washington, has not been able to overtake the wide receiver two spot in the coach's minds, even with Dante Moncrief out and the fact that James Washington has been on the field. That should tell you something. That should tell you what they think of Dante Moncrief. That should tell you what they have seen from him when he has been out there. It might actually tell you something that maybe James Washington isn't as good as he's been hyped up to be either. Which I've been more on the side of since he's come into the league. I don't think there's anything special about James Washington. I don't. But neither here nor there we're talking about fantasy football for right now. Moncrief has a great shot of getting double-digit touchdowns. Great shot. I would be almost willing, in fact, I probably would be willing to bet money that he has to do double-digit touchdowns, given that he plays somewhere between at least 12 to 14 games, if not the whole season. That's how high I think of him on this offense. So that's why he's my number two sleeper. My number one sleeper, it's a guy... That was hard for me because he has burned me. He has burned many people throughout the years. But my number one sleeper is Devontae Parker. The value is insane. First of all, he's not going drafted in a lot of drafts. And when he is, he's being taken as the last man on your bench flyer in the 16th round, 15th round. His ADP is 71. And that's, we're talking wide receivers, not, not 71 overall. We're talking about wide receivers. His ADP is 71st wide receiver. You want to know where I have him ranked? It's a lot higher. I have him ranked the 28th in standard. I have him ranked in 36th in half point. I have him ranked 32nd in full point PPR. Now, there's a couple of things here as to why my ranking on him is so much higher than the ADP consensus ranking. And I think the first one is that I don't view the Dolphins' offense, and I talked a little bit about this when I brought up Kenyon Drake, but I don't view the Dolphins' offense as a unit that's going to be the absolute pathetic unit of the NFL, the Arizona Cardinals, if you will, from last year of the NFL, which seems to be what a lot of people view them as. It's a little bit surprising to me. They have talent. I like Kenny Stills' talent. I like Kenny Drake's talent. I like the physical attributes of Kalen Balaj. Devontae Parker has a lot of talent. He was taken in the first round. I don't think that talent's gone anywhere. He hasn't lost a step with being injured. He had a dick of a coach who wouldn't play him. That's all it boiled down to over the past few years. He's gone now. The fact that this new coaching staff came in from the New England Patriots, who've seen the Dolphins twice a year since Devontae Parker's coming to the league, by the way, so... If anybody outside of the Dolphins organization would know, the Patriots would know. They've seen him more than anybody else besides the Jets and the Bills. They came in and extended him for two years right off the bat. Pretty much saying, we believe in your talent. We believe you just weren't utilized. Now, I'm I'm going to bring this up, and it's something if you want to say, hey, we've heard that before, then you, know, you can throw that in my face. That's fine. But I'm going to bring it up anyway. He's been getting utilized all over the field in, in training camp and practice and in, in joint practices. It's been noted by other teams. Devontae Parker is for real been utilized as the featured wide receiver 
in this offense to this point in camp. We may get to see it week three of the preseason. We may get to see him play there, and that's really what I'm curious to see what they do. Now, of course, we're not going to see the full-fledged offense because you're not going to see that from anybody. You're going to see a vanilla version of it. But just to see, is he truly the number one read on a play-in, play-out basis, which I do believe he will be. Regardless of who the quarterback is, I don't care if it's Ryan Fitzpatrick or Josh Rosen. That's a different matter entirely. Either way, both of those guys are guys who are going to lock on the number one. We know Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to throw the ball up in the air to his number one receiver and just heave it. We also know that Josh Rosen is still a young quarterback, and young quarterbacks tend to lock on to their number one reads more often than not. Is that going to be Demonte Parker? If it is, I like his chances. And I really think it's going to be. I like his talent. I don't, like I said, I don't think he got any worse. I think he finally has a situation where he can break out. And if there's anybody in the league who has an edge, anybody in the league who has something to prove, now that Adam Gase is gone, Devontae Parker may have more to prove than almost anybody in this league this year. And I like it because I like his talent. So Devontae Parker is my number one sleeper this season. He's a guy you can get in the 12th and 13th round who I truly believe has wide receiver two, low-end wide receiver two, but wide receiver two upside for you on a week-in, week-out basis on this team. Truly believe that. Take a quick break right here. We're going to come back on the other side. we got the mailbag segment for you guys. Some questions from the fans. Can't wait to get into that. So let's take a quick break right here. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become the newest member of the Belly Up Sports Network. The Belly Up Sports Network is a rising star in the sports industry. After having emerged onto the scene in just a year, they have accrued a massive following with bold articles, standout podcasts, and great debate amongst followers in the forums. Sign up for their newsletter and get access to all of the information throughout the Belly Up Sports Network. Go to bellyupsports.com today to join. Be bold and stand out. I have a few pretty good questions here in front of me. Again, we are always seemingly running a little bit over our time than we want to be. Like I said, I try to keep these around an hour, hour 15 top. So we're going to get through these questions a little bit quick. But remember, if you want to get your question answered on the show by me on the mailbag segment, go to at MDSFFshow on my Twitter account, at MDFFshow on Facebook, or you can send me a direct email by going to the website, www.mdffshow.com. Go on the Contact Us tab, and you can send me a direct email. Even if your question does not get on the show, I will be sure to answer your question from me, of course. And then, of course, I will let you know if your question will be on the show as well. So I'm always here for you. Please utilize that tool. No matter what the fantasy football question is, I will definitely help you guys out for sure. So I got a few really good good ones here today that I thought were going to be pretty interesting to talk about. And the first one is Jim, and he messaged me from Facebook. He asked, what should be the different strategy in a Roto League compared to a head-to-head week-to-week matchup? So for those of you who don't know, because that's one of the reasons I pulled this question is I don't think a lot of people actually are, are aware of this. If you don't play fantasy baseball, you probably don't know what a Roto League is. So basically what a Roto League is, is that they select 10, ca- 10 categories, statistical categories. And you know they're usually pretty standard, You know, passing yards, passing touchdowns, rushing yards, rushing touchdowns, you know, stuff like that. And the idea is to try to draft a team which will accumulate you the most stats in each category so you can win. So it's kind of like a best ball league, but you're not, 
You're not looking for guys who are going to have a couple weeks here and there that might blow up and get you big points in one particular week. You're looking for guys who are going to be balanced, consistent, and overall will be on the top end of the league, of the other players in statistical output. That's basically what you're looking for. It's a very much a season-long thing. You're not you're not looking at it from a week-to-week perspective. So he asked me, what, what should the strategy be different? Well, that's one. I just kind of laid out some fundamental aspects for you right there. Um, but two, players who are widely inconsistent from week to week, like like a T.Y. Hilton, like we talked about as being one of the busts because of, and part of that is because of his inconsistencies, that wouldn't bother me in a Roto League type. It would be, do I think T.Y. Hilton's going to have 1,100 yards with you know six to eight touchdowns at the end of the year? If the answer to that question is yes, then he's somebody you're going to want on your team. Uh, a lot of that, a lot of stuff like that. Is basically, you want to get guys who are going to have best all around numbers as they possibly can, so it accumulates you towards the top. That's that's really the biggest difference when you're talking about a roto league versus a head to head matchup. With running backs, you want guys who are going to both get carries and receptions to help you out. You don't you don't want to get just the pass catchers because then they don't get that many carries. You don't want to get just the guys who carry the ball 20 times a game but then are not involved in the passing game. You truly want balanced, good players all really all throughout your lineup in that type of league. It's a fun league. Like I said, it's it's the only way I'll do fantasy baseball is if I'm doing a roto league. It's a very cool concept, so I thought that was a good question there by Jim. Uh, QU Hot Takes, which is a podcast for a college station. I just want to give them a quick shout out there. They ask, will Todd Gurley still be elite this season? Well, uh, for the rest of MD Nation and for anybody who's been listening to the show and listened to my last episode, which was the five best, five bust, five sleepers for the running back position, you can listen to that on Radio Public or any one of your favorite podcast apps for the MD's Fantasy Football Show. You will already know that, yes, I fully expect Todd Gurley to be elite this season. I have him ranked as my number five running back overall, number five player overall, and on a points-per-game basis, I have him as the highest running back, actually, because I only have him projected for 14 games, and yet I have him having similar stats to a lot of the top-end guys. I have him, I can I can already tell you off the top of my head, uh, I, in standard leagues, I have him for 17 points a game, while I have the other four guys, the other top four, in the various areas of 16 points a game. So on a points-per-game basis, I have Todd Gurley higher. Now I have him ranked fifth because I don't have him necessarily playing all 16 games this season. I have him playing 14 with probably some headaches in between that. So that's why he's number five. But yes, if Todd Gurley is on the field, I fully expect him to be an elite running back, especially for fantasy football purposes. Anthony and Alex from the AA Talk Stuff podcast or one of my colleagues there at Overtime Heroics. They hit me up on Twitter for this question to put on the show. Great podcast. You guys should really check them out, especially if you're into WWE wrestling. They have a great podcast on that. They also cover NFL and some other sports as well um, from time to time, but really big on wrestling if you enjoy that. They ask, if you drive... If you drive, if you draft right now, I should fire my producer for writing that. Well, except that was me. Oops. Ron Burgundy over here, everybody. If you draft right now, where are you drafting Zeke, Gurley, and Bell? Well, we talked about this a little bit, but so I get I get what you're driving at. Where am I going to take these guys with the information that we have at hand right now? Um, 
I don't know if you're looking for a particular order of the three, like a one, two, and three out of those three, or just a general location. I'll give you the general location. I'm taking Zeke in the top four, and depending on the league, it might be the top two. If it's a standard league, I'm still going to take him the top two. Alvin Kamara is my number one running back across the board, no matter what the scoring format is. Uh, If it's standard, I have Zeke number two. If it's half point or full point PPR, I have him number four. But I am taking him in that top four pick still. I'm still of the belief of the mindset, and I have good inside reason to be, and that's all I'll say about it is now that he should be back for week one. It just may not come until after the fourth week of the preseason, so there's definitely going to be some people panicking on Ezekiel Elliott leading up into their drafts or if they've drafted already. Uh, So keep that in mind. If they've drafted already, you might be able to get a cheap trade in on Ezekiel Elliott to try to take advantage of. This is not going to be a Le'Veon Bell situation. I want to make that perfectly clear. It cannot be due to his contract in the two years. He's going to play at some point this season, if it, even if it wasn't week one. Uh, but it, it will be, I I mean, I shouldn't say 100%, but I am pretty confident it will be week one for Ezekiel Elliott. So I am going to take him in the top four. I'm taking Gurley number five. If I have that fifth pick and those four guys are gone, which they will be, I'm taking Gurley number five. I'm not taking DeAndre Hopkins or Devontae Adams, who I have ranked number one wide receiver. I'm not taking David Johnson. I am taking Todd Gurley number five. I am. I do not buy into the knee aspect. I do not think it's going to be as big of an issue as everybody thinks. I think Todd Gurley is still an elite running back, and when he is out there, he's going to get his touches, and I do think he's going to average about 20 touches a game. might not be 20 carries a game, but I do think he's going to average 20 touches a game still, even with the added help of drafting Daryl Henderson, even with bringing back Malcolm Brown. So I would draft him number five. Le'Veon Bell is an interesting one. I have him ranked in the back end of the first round if you're talking standard and half-point PPR leagues. If you're talking full-point PPR leagues, though, I do have him in the very top end of the second round because I do have Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, Tyreek Hill, and Julio Jones all in the first round in a 10 or 12 team league if it's a PPR league. So because I actually have four receivers, and it's the only scoring format in which I have four receivers in the first round, it winds up kicking Le'Veon Bell out to about the second round. But he is a first rounder for me if it's a half point, if it's a standard league. I still think this guy is going to get 300 touches at the end of the day. Look, I don't love his upside. I don't think he's going to have the opportunity to crack the top five this year or be that RB1 like he always had the potential to be before. But I do think he's definitely going to be a top 10 running back, which more times than not winds up making you a top 10 player by the end of the year. He's going to have to have 300 touches. He got paid too much money for Adam Gase to justify him being in any kind of split, any kind of committee, any kind of situation in which he may not be getting utilized as much as he should. So I do think Le'Veon Bell should be a first-round guy. All right, our last question of the show before we shut it down. TJ, via email, asks me, keeper standard league between Julian Edelman in the fourth round or Tevin Coleman in the eighth round? So which one's the better value here? Because this is a standard league, I'm going to lean towards Tevin Coleman. Now, if this was a PPR league, I would say taking Julian Edelman in the fourth round as your wide receiver two would be a hell of a move. Because as I've said before, without Gronk, with the targets vacated there, with the fact that there is no true wide receiver on the outside who's really going to demand attention from Tom Brady, being that Tom Brady has kind of hit the point in his career where he really needs to work the middle of the field and can 
can't really get the ball outside the hashes as much with as much accuracy and efficiency. I do think this will be the last year Julian Edelman has to potentially get 100 catches. So this is a PPR league, I would probably say Julian Edelman. Because it's not, because it's a standard league, I will say Tevin Coleman in the 8th round. For for a couple good reasons here. One, with Edelman in the 4th round, there are other wide receivers, especially in standard leagues, where I have similar value on, on him. Guys like Chris Godwin, guys like Tyler Lockett, guys like Alshon Jeffrey and Allen Robinson, and all those guys I have similar type of value to Julian Edelman there. I've even seen Stephon Diggs fall in the fourth round a couple times too, by the way, uh, where he could be drafted at. Tevin Coleman, there is a tier gap between being able to get Tevin Coleman in the eighth round and that next group of running backs that you really want to take. Tevin Coleman, to me, is that last middle RB2 who has high-end RB2 upside given his ability and the system that he's in being that it fits him so well before you get into you know the Rashad Pennies, the Royce Freemans, Latavius Murrays of the world, guys who have value but more like flex appeal, low-end flex appeal because they're in timeshares. Tevin Coleman, while he will probably be in a timeshare to a certain point with Will probably be Matt Breida. Now Jared McKinnon's going to be headed to the IR, at least for the first half of the season. He's still going to be the the starter, where all of those guys are, are kind of more backups. Roy Freeman, Latavius Murray, uh, Rashad Penning, they're all number twos on their depth chart. But Tevin Coleman is that starter. And like I said, because of his ability, because of that offense, he does present some upside for a possible RB2 upside if he was to stay healthy. So taking Tevin Coleman in that eighth round before that tier gap between the running backs there, I would actually go Tevin Coleman over Julian Edelman as my keeper in that instance. That is going to wrap up the show. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun recording it. We are going to be back on Monday with the five bus, five best. Um, I said that backwards. Five best, five bus, five sleepers for the tight end position. Remember, Follow me along for when I'm going to drop episodes, for when I have updated rankings and tier information, and also for the player update news notifications on Twitter at MDSFFshow, on Facebook at MDFFshow, and of course, go to my website for all that information and to contact me directly via email, www.mdffshow.com. You can listen to me on Radio Public or any one of your favorite podcast apps. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is widely available to you. And check me out on one of my networks, OvertimeRogues.com, BellyUpSports.com, or even UnwrapSports.com. I actually, before I take off, I have a quick note. I am going to be on the Circle City Podcast on Friday, tomorrow, August 16th, I am coming on for a guest appearance. We're going to do a fantasy football show with the host, Sam Sinclair, who does a podcast based on the Indiana Pacers and, of course, the Indianapolis Colts. So we're going to talk a little bit of the Colts, their fantasy perspectives, and some other sleepers and busts from each position for you as well. So go ahead and check out the Circle City podcast if you get the opportunity to do so on your favorite app as well. I had a great time tonight. I will see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. 